Gyro Nation Metal. Welcome back to Gyro Nation Metal. As always, my name is Jeff and I'll be your host. Last episode, we finished off year one of the podcast, which has released weekly since October of 2021. This year, I wanted to start off by introducing a small, relatively unknown band who happens to be releasing their second album on October 7th, 2022, just three days from the release of this episode. To begin year two, Jesse Bergen of LA black and thrash metal band Diabology joins me in preparation for the release of Father of Serpents. Jesse is one of Diabology's guitarists, as well as the vocalist and main lyricist. Jesse, thank you for joining me today. It's a pleasure to meet you. Yeah, same here. Thank you so much for having me on. No problem at all. We were talking a little bit before the show here. Um, you guys are all relatively young. You guys are a new band and you released your second album all as minors. So what do you guys feel are some of your greatest challenges breaking into the metal world? Uh, well, yeah, like you said, being minors is definitely one of the biggest challenges. Out here in LA, there's a ton of venues that are 21 plus. So it's uh it's kind of restrictive as for the places we can play. Um, mm-hmm. Of course, I mean, you know, we we still get by, you know, we find plenty of shows, but uh, <laughs> unfortunately the 21 plus ones usually are the ones that pay. <laughs> yeah, definitely. But uh, yeah, I mean, you know, we've just done our best to work around it and, you know, just play anywhere that will have us. We've played like church parking lots, you know, <laughs> backyards, <laughs> just wherever we can. That's pretty cool. I, I mean, there's no shortage of venues as long as you're willing to expand like your mind a little bit. And you guys exactly. have also played uh Vakan open air battles, haven't you? Uh, yes. At the Viper room. Awesome. Yeah. That those actually, those are 21 plus and they do let us play, but they force us to leave as soon as our set is done, which wouldn't even be so bad, except that you have to stay till the end of the night to get the results of the battle so we would play like first and they would kick us out and be like come back at one in the morning when we're ready to announce the results we're like (laughs) okay guess we'll just have pizza at the rainbow for four hours (laughs) (laughs) that kind of sucks but i mean you guys are still plugging through and you're you're again you're working on your second album here so there's a lot of changes in between i mean that was two years ago now Anyways, we can talk about that in a moment. I just wanted to ask, uh, you guys incorporated both black and thrash metal elements into your music. So what was the reason for this choice and how did you choose your musical direction? Um, I mean, to be perfectly honest, I don't feel like I really chose it at all. I mean, one thing that we uh, kind of, that that we do a lot in Diabology is we just expand into different subgenres. You know, one song might be a little more black metal, one might be more traditional thrash. Sometimes there's mm-hmm. elements of, you know, prog or doom, you know, it's we don't write thinking, you know, like we're going to write this subgenre. We just we like metal music and we write, you know, what sounds good to us. So we don't worry mm-hmm. too much about labels. Uh, I guess like black metal and thrash metal have kind of come out the most. So that's why we have kind of been labeled as black and thrash. But I mean, mm-hmm. wh- whenever someone asks me, I just say we're a metal band. <laughs> Yeah, fair enough. If there was like an umbrella that you guys could be under other than just metal, because that's huge. Um, what kind of subgenre do you classify yourself as? Um, I mean, like I said, black and thrash has been the one that has stuck the most. I guess those two genres have been the most prevalent in the music. Mm. Uh, so you're just so... kind of going to stick with those? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> fair enough. And how old were you guys when you started uh, when you started the band? That was in about 2016, if I'm correct. 
Uh, yeah, yeah. So I'm t- I'm the only like original member. Uh, okay. so I was 14 when I started the band. Uh, wow. yeah, I um I grew up uh surrounded by metal because both of my parents were metalheads. They actually played in bands like way before I was born. But um, yeah, I grew up surrounded by the music. Uh, at an early age, they, you know, encouraged me to take music lessons. I started going to uh, the School of Rock when I was seven years old. Um, wow. And yeah, I don't know. I I went there for like you know six, seven years or so. And I mean, it's a great program for starting off, but it does eventually get to the point where you're like, you know, okay, I don't want to just play like the same covers now. I want to you know move on. I want to make my own music. And so that's what I did. I took some friends from the School of Rock who were also like metalheads and we formed this band together. Um, but yeah, we've been through a bunch of lineup changes since. Uh, I've actually met like two of the <laughs> three other guys in the band right now through Diabology gigs. Like both of them like came out to see us and that's how we met. Oh, that's pretty cool to have fans that become members. Yeah, yeah, no. <laughs> So now going to the School of Rock, this might sound like a like a naive question, but what do you really learn there? Do you learn like songwriting or do you learn just how to play the guitar? Um, is there theory behind it? Um, what other stuff do you learn other than just guitar? Uh, well, yeah, no. Um, so it's it's great for starting off because, yeah, you, you learn guitar. Um, they basically put you in like these group classes where you'll have like little set lists of like, you know, it starts off with like easy stuff like you know seven nation army smoke on the water Mm -hmm. like you know all that and you also have like private lessons to accompany it so you learn the songs and slowly the teachers start to kind of introduce theory to you through it like you know oh well seven nation army you know that's in e minor and you know uh and then yeah you kind of like graduate up they have a few levels of programs so you know as you get more advanced you can kind of play more advanced songs they do different like programs Mm -hmm. and stuff um, I, I actually, I now teach at a uh, school of rock, <laughs> but, um, oh shit, I didn't know that. That's pretty cool too. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, it's fun getting to work with the kids. And I mean, it, it was just, you know, such an awesome like community just to be able to, you know, like play with other, like, you know, like-minded kids every weekend. So I'm really happy that I get to pay it forward now, give that to the next generation. Um, definitely. And sorry to interrupt. Um, did you. You, you mentioned that you said uh, weekends. So were you doing this on top of regular schooling? Uh, oh, yeah, yeah. No, I mean, it's not like an intensive program. You have like one private lesson a week. The group class meets mm-hmm. like once a week. It, it's not like a school school. It's, mm-hmm. yeah, it's just like a weekend program. That's still pretty busy for someone who's like seven years old and doing that for another seven years all the way through your teens. <laughs> well, yeah, no, I mean, at this point, it's been like what? The, 13 almost yeah like 12 12 and a half (laughs) but yeah I don't know I I've just always loved music I never you know never really considered doing anything else (laughs) Mm -hmm. and you said your parents both played in bands uh yeah no um I mean not like you know huge bands or anything um my mom had a band for a while with her sister and they were called Sisters Grimm uh they they were pretty locally popular. My dad kind of just like jammed with some friends, you know, mm-hmm. but yeah, no, they, they both have, you know, deep connection with the music for sure. <laughs> and so what uh, pushed you to learn guitar? 
Uh, <laughs> well, yeah, the thing that really pushed me to learn guitar, I mean, like I said, you know, I grew up loving the music, but specifically mm -hmm. guitar came from the Guitar Hero games. I would play those all the time when I was like a little kid. And then, yeah, one day my parents were like, hey, do you want to be like the guys in Guitar Hero? And I was like, sold. <laughs> <laughs> funny i've never really played that game but uh i always used to criticize people because they played it and i just said you know why don't if you want to play video games like for me it's it's doing stuff that you can't do in real life so i'd always say well if you're going to play this why don't you just pick up a real guitar so it's actually kind of cool hearing you say that that you just said fuck it and i picked up a real guitar <laughs> yeah yeah no it's the that's the pipeline i guess <laughs> And then, so you started the band when you were 14, but you didn't come out with your, your first album until 2020. So when did you all, when did you decide uh, to turn this into something serious rather than just playing like small gigs and, and jamming? Uh, I mean, it always was, you know, meant to be that. I mean, you know, even at age 14, I mean, you know, I didn't exactly have the uh, like business mind, but I mean, you know, I still was mm -hmm. like, oh yeah let's be the biggest band in the world. <laughs> and so, I mean, obviously I, I, I've learned a lot more, but um, yeah, we actually, we did record a couple of demos before that point, which we, we took down because they're songs that we ended up like re-recording for the album, mm -hmm. doing better versions of. Um, but yeah, I mean, it really the only reason it took so long for the album was because we were so like, you know, young and inexperienced and still just, you know, finding our direction and stuff. But I mean, mm -hmm. it, it was never really like a change of intentions. It was more so just like, you know, growing to a point where I was able to actually achieve the goal. <laughs> mm -hmm. So what were some of the what were some of the hardest things um, learning to put out an album at such a young age? Oh, God. Well, um, the number one thing we learned was to always do pre-production. <laughs> we ended up going in. Um, we were really lucky. Um, my dad worked at like a big rehearsal studio out here in Burbank called Center Staging. And so mm -hmm. whenever whenever they had like open rooms that weren't like reserved by clients, they let the employees borrow them. So that was our studio. And one of my dad's coworkers there uh, was like a mix engineer. So he gave us, you know, like kind of a friends and family discount, I guess. Um, and so, yeah, we just went in with him and went to record the album. And we put down all the drum tracks and we start putting down all the guitar tracks. And we're like halfway done with the record. And we're like, wait, like half these songs are too fast or too slow or too this or too that. And we just realized like, oh shit, like we put hours into this and it's like a fucking disaster. We need to start over. <laughs> um, and so we did, we, that, that was our pre-production, I guess. And we ended up starting over, uh, but we got there in the end. <laughs> uh, so yeah, that, that was definitely something as soon as we were ready for the second album right away, we were like, okay, we're doing pre-production at home. <laughs> you know, not, not making that mistake again. How did it feel to release an album at such a young age that was instantly available across the world? Uh, I mean, it, it, it felt great. I mean, you know, it, in, you know, to me, just putting out an album was, you know, the goal. And I was just really proud that I was able to do it. Looking back, I mean, it's not, you know, 
like the the production maybe is not the greatest you know we've definitely improved in almost every way since then but i'm still very proud of it just because you know i was able to do it and it just you know represents Mm -hmm. that time in my life you know the stuff i learned from it and yeah i don't know it just it feels good to put it out there and to just share it with other people i guess and you mentioned there like the production maybe wasn't what you wanted um in the same vein what are some things that you were really proud of that you wanted to remain consistent on the new album um i mean the i would say like the songs themselves uh I mean, that came from, you know, a very airy, uh, a, bit, <laughs> a very early era of the band. And um, mm-hmm. so we were still very much experimenting kind of with like our sound and our style. And it was really cool to see what songs people, you know, like kind of gravitated toward and what worked and what didn't. Um, and it kind of helped me to think, cause like, actually it, it was funny um the song that ended up doing like best out of all the songs on the album was not one that we had like put forth as a single um it was just one that people really liked <laughs> so that kind of made us think like you know okay well why do people like this you know what what did we do right why is this you know the like generally considered to be the favorite and you know Mm -hmm. it was just really cool seeing people's reactions and just learning from that kind of like you know oh okay this worked this worked really well and like you know this song was maybe a little bit weird on the record you know uh it's not quite what our you know like target audience is going for i guess which you know is totally fine uh but yeah i don't know it was just really cool just getting that feedback i guess from you know from other like metal fans which uh which tracks were you the most surprised by like fan reactions oh well yeah like i said um the song that ended up doing best um was called ember to ash and it was actually uh that that was one of the ones that was inspired by dark souls i see your uh thing in the background there that's uh you know for like the listeners that's actually how we started talking because i saw his uh like dark souls metal segment and i just wrote and was like oh fuck yeah this is right up my alley (laughs) um but yeah no um so that that song ended up doing the best even though we hadn't put it forth as a single so that that was just Mm -hmm. really cool to see people you know picking out their own favorite and not just like you know the one that had been you know pushed in front of them you know Sorry, I seem to be having some connection issues. Are you, um, are you freezing as well on that side? Oh, uh, I I got a call for just a second there. That was totally my bad. Uh, that might have been what oh, caused. Oh, yeah, no worries at all. Freeze. A couple of the songs that I really thought were interesting on the on your old album was uh, first off the Lost Viking because it takes a completely different approach, like vocally, um, from the other songs on the album, and incorporating a more like song like um, vocal style and some shrieks. So in addition to your regular uh, lower and more guttural approach, so what made you choose to go that route? Uh, well, yeah, I mean, like I said, um, the first album was very much us like experimenting and finding our style. Um, Lost Viking was actually one of the like earlier songs uh, in terms of like, you know, when everything was written. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I would say part of it was just, you know, 
just that i mean you know finding what worked for us and it is a song that i personally love like honestly it's one of my personal favorites off the record uh it's not one people gravitated toward as much um but you know um it it was all just part of the learning experience you know we kind of found like okay that style you know as much as i love it it maybe you know isn't exactly what like fans of the band are looking for and i mean you know that's that's totally fine you know i i can still enjoy the song and now i know what the people like <laughs> yeah exactly and then the song about you is done in a very like grindcore way it's a super short song um but the lyrics are overwhelmingly positive so where did this departure from your regular lyrical style come from and what inspired that song <laughs> uh yeah that one was just like us kind of like fucking around i guess um it, that one was more like intentionally like a departure um it was kind of meant to just serve as like a brief interlude type thing on the album uh but yeah no i mean that's like a 30 second song it's just like a fun little jam we had you know <laughs> mm -hmm. Are you, are you guys planning on incorporating some of these, like, test tracks in your new album, or are you going to kind of keep everything more cohesive? Um, I would say that for this album, we definitely uh, have focused in a little more. There's still very much, like, a blend of styles where mm -hmm. we, um, I, I mean, like, one song opens with classical guitars, one song is very old-school thrash, uh, and then, like, halfway through at the bridge it turns like totally black metal um so there is still very much a mix of styles but i think we uh have tightened our focus a little more and found uh kind of our own like way of delivering the different styles i guess if that makes sense <laughs> so you said you found your own way and then it cut out oh yeah we kind of found our own way of like delivering the different styles, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. That's pretty cool. I like that. Uh, I like that you guys aren't afraid to experiment. All right, man. Right before we finished, uh, right before our connectivity fucked up, we were talking about some of your experimentation. So I think the last thing we were chatting about is uh, your guys' willingness to experiment and create and blend different sounds together. Uh, yeah, no, I mean, I'm just very, like, hyperactive when it comes to this stuff, and I always just want to be, you know, trying new things and, like, challenging myself, uh, mm -hmm. and that's how I, you know, keep it fresh. I don't want all our songs to sound the same. I want each one to have its own, like, flavor. And do you ever think that, like, uh, maybe doing that might alienate some fans or, and, or... Is there maybe the perception that that could bring more fans into like a larger spectrum of, of genres? Uh, I mean, yeah, I would like to think it's the latter. If it is the former, then oh well. I mean, yeah, maybe there are some people who would say, you know, oh, this isn't true Kvolt black metal. I'm not listening. Mm -hmm. But there's always going to be, you know, someone who doesn't like it and someone who does. And I just figure if I like it, then surely someone else does <laughs> earlier we talked about uh, some of the difficulties because of your age um mainly being getting into certain venues um have you ever experienced any other form of gatekeeping um 
in the metal scene, like maybe someone not taking you as seriously because of your age or not being booked partly as a result of that? Yeah, no, I mean, there definitely are some people who can be annoying. I mean, even like to this day, we still get, you know, drunk guys at bars being like, you know, let me tell you something, kid. The industry is so screwed up. And it's like, I, I know I <laughs> this is not my first show ever. <laughs> um, yeah, there are definitely some people that that's like one of the most common like backward compliments we get is like you know oh like you're really good for your age like yeah <laughs> screw you yeah, it's kind I'm of a good. slap in the face but they're kind of lifting you up at the same time yeah no exactly um but yeah no i mean definitely i can tell there's some people who as soon as they see you know teenage thrash band they immediately just hone mm -hmm. in on the teenage part but you know oh well <laughs> Yeah, well, I mean, you won't be teenagers forever either. And people have to realize uh, you start somewhere, and the earlier you start, the better you're going to get. Yeah, exactly. I mean, unless you're lazy. Like, I would be that person that would just kind of play my four <laughs> or five songs and be done with it. But... Well, yeah, I mean, you know. Yeah, and that, that's part of it too is, you know, it's, it's so much about, you know, just determination and how much you practice. You know, I mean, someone who's been playing for – three years but never practices it probably won't mm -hmm. be as good as someone who's been taking it really seriously for one year so you know yeah it's all well, very like you said you've been taking it seriously since since your early childhood so that's that's a lot of time in experience right there yeah no i've never known anything else <laughs> <laughs> and so you guys are kind of have, have a unique perspective as well because like, you're coming into the world of metal after seeing uh like the birth of so many birth and evolution of so many genres uh you guys can see things from like a fresh perspective and um so for you guys what eras of like there, there's a there's a follow-up question after this but for you guys what eras of like black metal and or thrash metal do you feel were kind of the best and why oh um i mean for me i i don't know i i love the you know classic like 80s movement um but also, like, some of the bands that were, like, most influential to me were kind of part of, like, more of a new wave in, like, the, like, early 2000s, I think. Like, Machine Head, Trivium, uh, you know, bands like that, like, really heavily influenced me. Uh, especially, I think, because, you know, because they were popular when I was growing up, you know. It's, you know, partially nostalgia, I'm sure. Mm -hmm. um, but... I'm I'm sure the other members of the band would have different answers for you. And th that's something I really like in the band. It's kind of all of us come from our own sort of like, you know, corners of metal. So we're all able to kind of contribute a little bit of a different perspective when we come together to, you know, write and jam. Yeah, definitely. So everyone is pretty much on the same page about like the pioneers of thrash and black metal. So obviously there's the four, big four, Metallica, Anthrax, Slayer, and Megadeth. Um, but then for black metal, it's like Emperor, Burzum, uh, Mayhem, and, and like Bathory, to name a few. Um, for you, who would who are some of the newer bands that you feel may be seen in the future as pioneers as the like, quote-unquote new waves of thrash or black metal? Oh, God. I mean, it's hard to say. Um, I mean, I would say definitely bands like... Uh, municipal waste uh power trip they've definitely been you know carrying the torch um mm -hmm. yeah uh hopefully diabology soon <laughs> but uh yeah i don't know i mean it's you know it's hard to say without hindsight but those are definitely some some of the people who i'd say are you know 
leading the movement right now. Mm -hmm. And so uh, being from a musical background, like what genres of music are you generally drawn to? Uh, I mean, generally just heavier genres. I mean, of course, you know, metal. I love, you know, so many different types of metal. Uh, I also love, love punk music. Uh, hmm. A lot of like kind of, you know, like more modern, like hard rock and stuff. Like I, I love Queens of the Stone Age. That's one of my favorite bands. Um, but yeah, just generally like heavier guitar driven music, I'd say. Awesome. And then uh, who are some of your favorite bands currently? Uh, I mean, uh, I know I keep listing them, but Trivium, I love Trivium so much. Yeah. Uh, Mastodon, uh, Gojira, uh, Machine Head. They, they're kind of on again, off again with their music, I feel like, but they're currently on again. So I'm happy mm -hmm. about that. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I, I mean, I'm sure I could list bands all day. <laughs> definitely i think that's that is one of the problems with metal is like there's just so many good artists out there it's like you kind of have to pull up a list each time you're like let me just start yeah no exactly <laughs> let me look at my spot here <laughs> now moving into father of serpents uh it's coming out like we said earlier on october 7th uh what is it yeah so it'll be th three days after the release of this episode what are you most proud of on the album um i would say our performances uh we definitely like really stepped up like the writing and technicality in this one and whereas the first album largely employed like kind of you know verse chorus like you know traditional song structures we really pushed ourselves to you know like go out of our way and make the songs on this record you know a little more weird i mean you know there are still some that have this you know strong traditional verse chorus but we also tried to make sure that wouldn't be every song and just in general mm -hmm. the riffs are just you know more more melodic more i mean like, like like i said before more technical more involved uh i i bet that like any song on this record has at least like twice as many riffs as any song on the first one <laughs> uh okay. so yeah we just really wanted to push ourselves to our musical limits and i think that i think we did <laughs> And then on the first album, you guys had some like uh, relatively gory or violent um, lyrical themes. Is that going to be then continued on with your second album or have you departed a little bit from that? Uh, somewhat. Uh, it definitely was more heavily employed on the first album. Uh, this second album was inspired a lot by uh, by the like covid lockdown not just mm. the lockdown itself but various events that took place during the lockdown um but both you know personal and you know like national international events um mm -hmm. there is definitely still elements of that especially there's one song eat my heart out that's full you know like over the top tribute to you know the classic like gory death metal um but yeah, the lyrical themes on this album, much like the musical themes, are definitely a little more expansive than they were on the first. Mm -hmm. Who did you work with uh, for your artwork on the new album? Uh, all of our art up to this point has been done by a wonderful artist named Andicha Dita. Uh, he also goes by Poison Project. Uh, but okay. yeah, we've been working with him since the first album. And we just, we love his pieces so much. Uh, he's our 
go-to guy for anything. <laughs> Poison Project. I'm going to look that up. Because I, I like the... Yeah. I love um, like the contrast of colors on your guys' albums. Like it's not, it, it's kind of cartoonish in a way, but I really enjoy that because I'm a huge fan of fantasy and stuff. So I, I like the, like the comic esque lines and the the bright colors contrasted in the background with other colors. It's yeah, it's pretty cool. Thank you. Yeah, no, that's definitely always that. That's one reason we love his art that it's very colorful. You know, it pops. Mm -hmm. uh, and yeah, I mean, like you said, it's like cartoony, but not in like a you know like like cartoony way like in a very not like, like a fantasy cheesy way. way yeah and uh, yeah. he's done work before with like magic the gathering and rings of saturn okay uh, yeah That's no cool. we love him and it's funny i i just found him on facebook i've never met him he lives all the way like on the other side of the globe <laughs> yeah but he does yeah, he's done a lot of stuff i'm just looking it up amazing now. work yeah no definitely go go follow him <laughs> yeah and like all of his pieces have that that color contrast which is something i'm totally drawn to and they like there's a lot of detail in a lot of them they look great yeah no we we love Anditia. <laughs> how did you guys come up with your logo um i mean in our early days um we were a lot more like straight thrash and even closer to like punk at some points mm -hmm. So we kind of wanted to incorporate elements of, you know, that, like kind of represent our musical style. So you've got like a goat's head with the sigil of the Leviathan, very like, you know, classic, like, you know, 80s satanic panic type stuff. Um, and then it was surrounded by like a, uh, or, or, oh, I, I'm actually, I'm realizing we have multiple like logos. I'm not sure exactly which one you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah i'm happy uh, to hear about all of them <laughs> yeah i mean generally we're inspired by you know that just that stuff like the satanic panic you know lots of like barbed wire just you know harsh yeah. imagery you know classic classic metal stuff <laughs> and did you guys put that um like the one that'll be on the album cover of father of serpents did you guys put that one together yourselves or did you have somebody drop a logo for you uh that one was and Dietra designed that logo as well as oh, cool. the full full artwork. My next question is about Dissonant Hymns Record. Is this your is this your own label? Uh yes, it is. Okay. So how do you start a label or what what's what have you done so far? <laughs> uh we're still figuring that out. <laughs> no. Um <laughs> I mean we yeah, we started it up. We're still kind of working on the branding and stuff. We got our website mm -hmm. up and running so we can sell, you know, merch from there. We got ourselves a printing press so we can start, uh, you know, producing merch to distribute. Um, our next step is looking into distribution. We're trying to find, you know, places where we could send out CDs and stuff. Um, mm -hmm. But yeah, it's a brand new thing. Uh, Father of Serpents is the very first release on Dissonant Hymns. So yeah, we're really excited to, you know, help it grow. And we're hoping that, you know, it can be not just our personal label, but hopefully once we, you know, get it going full force that we can, you know, start inviting other local bands and helping them to, you know, reach wider markets. What were some of the motivating factors that kind of pushed you to a label for your album? Um, We just wanted to put the logo on there. <laughs> no, no, <laughs> I enough. mean, that, that was honestly part of the part of it but um i mean i think just having the logo and having the website i mean a it's just like a convenient hub and mm -hmm. it's you know uh like i said i mean you know we the 
it's basically partially that it just adds some legitimacy and also partially that we're putting, you know, all this work into setting ourselves up with distribution, setting ourselves up with merch. Why not extend that and help out some other local bands, you know? Mm -hmm. Well, and it makes sense too. Like if you're doing all the groundwork for yourselves and for your albums, you already have those connections in place. You already have the materials. And if you're able to kind of incorporate more bands and allow that to grow even just like a little bit, it makes everything a little bit easier for you guys when you are coming out with another album. Exactly. It brings yeah. down the cost. It, it, it ups your networking, everything. Yeah, definitely. So you touched on the legitimacy um, of the band because it's now on the label. Uh, is that something that you've also experienced, like when trying to book? Um. Yeah, no, I mean, like I said, it's a very new thing. We're still, you know, getting it off the ground. But we've we've mm -hmm. already had a few people be like, you know, whoa, you dudes are on a record label. That's so sick. Congrats, guys. Mm -hmm. So, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's it's doing something. It's kind of like one of those steps that it seems to be like a necessary evil for a lot of people. Like in order to be taken seriously in some aspects, uh, you have to be hooked up with somebody who, somebody else who takes you seriously. Because you can take yourself as seriously as you want, but it seems that other people want other, like a second opinion almost. Yeah, exactly. And no one has to know that the second opinion is just also us. <laughs> well, I mean, it always starts somewhere. Let's take it something like uh, the Artisan Era. They have some incredible bands, but I mean, a few bands, a few bands on that bill, they all have, uh, are on the roster story. They all have duplicate members, not all, but a few. Yeah, no, exactly. <laughs> um, so again, being new, so new to the game, uh, you guys missed out on a lot of things in the metal world, such as like tape trading, uh, the birth of multiple genres, the evolution from physical media to digital, um, things like that. But you guys also have the power of the internet and almost nearly unlimited potential to get your band's name out there. So other than creating your own label and starting your own merch line, essentially, what are some ways do you, you hope to build your brand? Um, I mean, we've been, you know, working everything we can, really. I mean, you know, we use social media. You know, I've been trying to post regularly, you know, keep it up. Uh you know, we try to take advantage of, like, Spotify playlists, you know, connect with different playlist editors. Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, you know, there's this discourse, I feel like, that goes on where, you know, some people are like, oh, it's so much better in the old days, you know. Was, and then other people are like, oh, now, you know, with the Internet, you can get everywhere. It's the best tool ever. And honestly, I personally don't necessarily think it's that much better or worse. I think it's just different and we're just mm -hmm. trying to adapt the best we can and use the tools we have. So now someone being so new to the world of metal and starting a label, stuff like that, uh, how do you feel about things like Spotify and streaming services? The reason I'm asking is partly because of the whole uh, point of contention that Spotify pays their artists shit and um, it, it's that same, same attitude. The past used to be better, you know? Yeah, no, they do. They, they absolutely do. They very much underpay. Um, there are some streaming platforms that are a little bit better. I mean, Apple Music pays like a full cent per stream. So hooray. <laughs> but um, yeah, no, I mean, it's, it's true. The streaming websites uh, don't pay out nearly as much as, you know, they should. They don't pay out nearly enough to, you know, keep you, to, to, you know, to, to like keep you afloat 
Um, mm -hmm. But yeah, I mean, we just try to treat it more than anything as a promotional tool and, you know, try to use it to just guide people to other sources like, you know, merch and stuff that do make more money. Um, but yeah, definitely like for any of the fans out there, if you want to support, you know, if you like really want to financially support this band or any other local music out there, definitely buy, you know, the CDs, shirts, you know, show tickets, whatever it is. Um, but yeah, no, physical, physical media is the way to go. And we just kind of try to use Spotify to funnel people towards that, I guess. <laughs> Do you think, um, I don't, I don't really know where I'm going with this necessarily, but uh, like my opinion on Spotify, I guess, is is that it has like the power to give you gr worldwide access instantly, and that to me is great. Um, but it also seems like because there's so much stuff that you're trying to filter through, a lot of it falls through the cracks, or you listen to something a few times and then it kind of falls to the wayside because there's so much other stuff you need to catch up on. How do you kind of how do you feel about that um, now being thrust into that world? Uh, yeah, no, I mean, it's, it's true. Yeah. I mean, you know, that's the thing is it's all about like, you know, retention and stuff, you know, like you can, it's easier than ever to get your song in front of a hundred thousand people, but you know, how many of them are going to listen again? That's, that's the real question nowadays, you know, <laughs> and how do you get them to listen again? Yeah. So that was actually my next question to you. How do you, how are you going to have repeat listeners, I guess? Cause that's now a focus that people have to worry about. Uh, well, yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, you know, I'm just going off of, you know, what I've heard from others and, you know, my understanding of the algorithm and whatever, but it seems like, you know, having like some, at least somewhat consistent releases is, you know, pretty crucial for that type of stuff. So, I mean, we, we just released the second single off of the upcoming album. We're going to have another one launched before the album drops. And just hopefully, you know, if people keep seeing good songs coming out from us, then they'll, you know, they'll get the, you know, they'll, we'll start to stick in their mind and they'll be like, you know, oh, this is like the third like song I really like from this band. Maybe I should go follow them. Uh, but yeah, I would say, I guess, consistency is key. Yeah, fair enough. I've heard from a few different um, previous guests, uh, different strategies in order for them to stay like, quote unquote, relevant, um, just because they get buried so quickly. A couple bands said that they would just continue releasing singles instead of like an EP or an album, just because it is something that they can release every couple months. And then at least their name pops up continuously. And then another couple guests say that like EPs are kind of the way to go for them because a full length album takes so much time and effort. However, then I think like for me personally, when I heard that, I thought, well, then you're paying for like artwork for each EP. You're paying for the logos. You're you're you have to basically create an album anyway. So why not put more songs on the music or songs on the on the album? I guess. How do you guys? Uh, you guys have obviously come out with two albums now. Are you going to continue doing full length releases, or are you going to kind of break things up, or do you have a plan right now? Uh, yeah. I mean, we honestly don't necessarily have a solid plan at the moment i have heard yeah like you said e they say singles or like at the very least eps are the way to go i mean what what you said is definitely a consideration of like the you know needing to buy like art over and over and you know get the like put everything together um and i, I you know people will tend to kind of like give you bulk discounts if you say you know like okay well 
I have an album and I also need like three single art pieces off of it. So, you know, I'm buying four pieces, you know, can you knock a little off or something? Um, but uh, yeah, I, I, I mean, I, I, my understanding is that that's like the way to go to, you know, beat the algorithm and whatever, you know, and get to the top. Uh, so I am taking that in consideration, but at the same time, I mean, you know, I've just always grown up with albums, you know, to me, like, that's the way that music is released, you know, and, uh, I know for me, it's fun writing an album, you know, thinking of how the songs will flow into each other and, you know, being like, okay, well now I need to write an interlude for the album. Like what, what's the interlude going to be? And, you know, uh, so I don't know. Uh, I guess I kind of want to just see how this album does, you know, see if we can get a good response off of that. Um, one thing I would say though, is that a lot of review websites, uh, don't pay attention to, uh, singles and sometimes not even to EPs. There are some sites that really want to, you know, just push full albums. You know, there's a lot of, you know, places where we sent out our singles and they said like, okay, we'll cover you in three months when the album's coming out. And it's like, yeah. So I, I don't know. I'm not, hmm. you know, an expert. I don't have a degree in music business. I study it as much as I can, you know, just from yeah. hearing from different artists and, you know, different people who are in the industry. Um, but yeah, I mean, we're, we have an album right now. We're going to do the best we can with that album and see, you know, see how it goes. Do you have any idea why like websites and music reviewers don't pay attention to EPs? I understand singles cause it's like you can review a song and it's only a few minute listen, but like a finished product is a finished product. So I'm wondering if you have any kind of idea as to why they do shy away from reviewing EPs when compared to albums. Uh, yeah, I mean, all I could guess is that, you know, an album shows a certain level of like, you know, uh, dedication, I guess. And I'm sure they get, you know, lots and lots of submissions every day. So maybe to them, that's a way to just kind of like block out some artists who might be, you know, who might just be like, you know, oh yeah, check out this, you know, EP that I recorded in my basement in two days mm. with no, and, you know, didn't mix or master. <laughs> like that's all I could think, but I, I couldn't provide a definite answer. You also touched on like, um, putting the songs together in a, in a way that works well for the entire album, like interludes, uh, having one fl song flow into the next. And that's something that I've heard from a lot of different guests. So I'm wondering if maybe part of the reason they choose to focus on like a full album instead is because it has that extra level of mastery as well as um, like time and dedication, but also to see how well everything flows together instead of just two or three songs that might work well as a one piece, but not when it comes to the, the rest of the band's uh, library. Yeah, no, exactly. I mean, yeah, no, if you go out to see a band based off their EP, that's like, you know, what, 15 minutes out of their set. If you go out to see them based off an album, that's like a whole set. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. I guess like with EPs, you can put more energy into each song because you can release it so much quicker. So there's not necessarily the deadline, but again, it, it goes to that, that cohesiveness and 
completeness, I guess. Completeness? I don't even know if that's a word, but whatever. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I think that is. I think so. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not checking a dictionary right now, but yeah. I will <laughs> at some point. So for people looking for your music currently, where is the best place for them to find it uh, in order to support you guys? Um. Well, if you want to financially support us, uh, Bandcamp is definitely the best way to go. Uh, they actually, you know, have you pay for digital downloads. Um, of course, though, we are still on all the streaming platforms. If you'd like to, you know, check it out before you buy it, that's totally understandable. We're up on Spotify, Apple Music, Amazon, all, all that stuff. So, yeah, I mean, wherever, wherever anyone wants to listen, we're grateful. We just want people to hear the music. If you could support us, you know, always appreciate it, but... You know, <laughs> I I do it because it's fun for me. I'm not, you know, looking to become a millionaire or anything. So just check it out on your preferred, check it out on your preferred platform. I know you're not uh, necessarily trying to become a millionaire, but it always helps when uh, like you can benefit from your, your hard labor and then, then you can put that back into your next album or equipment or merch and stuff like that like the way i see it all the money that i put into music it always comes back to me some way or another yeah no exactly i i was actually just gonna say yeah <laughs> that <laughs> i i don't want to be a millionaire but it would be nice to make enough money that i can that we can actually make another album <laughs> yeah well not only that but if it comes to the point where um people are supporting you that you can turn this into more of a full-time gig you're going to put out better and more music so I mean, nothing wrong with uh, having people support you. I, no, I, I would absolutely love that. Yeah. <laughs> if you were to choose to do this full time as opposed to having like a side job or something, what were some of the what would be some of the things that you'd have to have in place first? Obviously, like a steady income. Yeah. Um, I mean, uh, yeah, that's that that's all I could think of as, as long as I'm making enough money to survive. Uh, and I'm not like, you know, well, I, I mean, of course, like I wouldn't want to like sell out and just, you know, like play pop garbage or whatever, you know, I would want it to be on my own artistic integrity, but yeah. <laughs> well, good thing you're starting your own label then, Earl, because I don't, I don't think that'll ever happen. <laughs> yeah, no, fingers crossed. <laughs> All right, Jesse. Well, it's been a pleasure chatting with you today, and um, I look forward to hearing more of the songs off your new album. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. Thank you for tuning in, and we will see you next time on Gyro Nation Metal. Please don't forget to like, share, and subscribe. The podcast can be found on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. If you would like to support this podcast, please consider checking out my Patreon. Thank you.